0: Hey, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. So put Lawrence on the phone. Yeah, okay. He's not going to be able to figure out how to do this in, in <laughs> any reasonable time. And I don't think I have the time <laughs> to teach him. So have fun. Uh, okay, All right. Am I, am I on now? You're on. We are making a podcast. Welcome to Pod oh. Potatoes. I'm. This is a uh, podcast for people who are couch potatoes, but instead of watching television... They listen to podcasts. So it's Pod Potatoes. And today I'm speaking with uh, author Lawrence Samuels. He's written two books, one today called Killing History, which is a very important uh, hoax in history, which is that uh, there is a left and a right wing, which is not true, I don't think. But the, uh, the book in question is called Killing History by Lawrence Samuels. When did you publish this and how did you get the idea, Lawrence? Uh, published in 2019.
1: I spent about five years or more on it. Actually, I wrote part of it back in college. I was trying to figure out the left-right political spectrum. And it just wasn't anything at the, uh, the college library. I mean, it was, you know something I typed up on an Underwood typewriter, you know, not electric, you know, I <laughs> found it. Said, okay, okay, let's go a little further. And so uh, what happened is I tried to find out kind of the source of what the modern spectrum started, you know, and, uh, and um, first I think I went back to the French Revolution. And that was interesting, really two sections of the French Revolution. And I found out the people who, who started it um, didn't just attack the Bastille. They also attacked the taxing booths around Paris. This is like 1789. Then they went to Bastille. And these people were small business people, artisans, and uh, they uh, sat on the left side. The right side of the, uh, uh, of the French assembly was the church and the monarch. And so, you know, you know the authoritarians are supposed to be on the right, and the classical liberals on the left. Even Thomas Paine was there,
0: and uh, so um, in, in France, right in France during the Revolution, and this, this was, was American, after the American Revolution and before. After this is seventeen eighty nine. So Thomas days. Paine went around trying to ferment or be involved in other revolutions. Oh. Yes, he was.
1: He actually became an elected official of the, in, the, in the French Assembly. Don't ask me, he's English, he went to America, and then he went there. Thomas Paine was there just before the French Revolution. He wrote the Rights of Man with Lafayette. And he just left, by the time he left, the revolution was, was starting. But the point is that these, these classical liberals um, um, lowered taxes, uh, they made it easier for the peasants to own their land they gave rights to jews and some rights to colored people i mean they were wonderful they almost had one for the second amendment you know right to a gun but they couldn't quite get that in and they passed it and for about two years things were okay but then a mobocracy began the robes rose pierre the radical wanted free education he wanted free this free that and these um, he's, um uh, the, the, you know, the classical liberals said, wait, you know, we're having a lot of trouble with money here. You do that, you're going to ruin your economy. And so he, he pointed to him and said, you know, traitor. And, and then put him on trough for counter-revolutionary activity. Twenty-three French assemblymen. Most of these classical liberals already left because the mob was taking over uh, 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 Paris. And so they put on trial and they were found guilty and 22 of them were executed. I think they say 32 minutes to cut off 22 heads. Thomas Paine escaped. He would have been the 23rd, but he escaped. And so now, and, and from that Rose Pierre came the reign of terror. And also from this time, here comes Nazism and communism. They both... Uh, uh, consider this the beginning of a kind of a nationalistic socialism. And in fact, right. in fact, Lenin was so um, uh, admi- uh, um, admired Robespierre so much. He had ca- uh, statues of him commissioned uh, in Russia. One of them was for the Kremlin. That, and, and Hitler mentions how, you know, national socialism came from the French revolution. A couple quotes from, from Hitler on this. But uh, so anyway, so now, you know, so then then I, then I figured out there's really actually two political spectrums, like, you know, uh, because around the 1900s, the communists, the Marxists, after almost dying during the crisis of Marxism, they decided, no, we don't want to be with the monarchs. We don't want to be with the authoritarians. We're, we want to be on the left. So they stole the, the, the left-wing designation from the classical liberals. And you could see it with, um, uh, with Mussolini. And this is when I came to, to study Mussolini and, and, and try to get a copy, original copy, of his political and social doctrine of fascism. Because it didn't make sense. I started finding out he was sort of a Marxist. Why would he use the word right? In his, in his doctrine of fascism, something was wrong. So I found a copy from Europe, 1933, authorized translation from a Lady of the uh, London Times. And in it, it was very different than what you find in a lot of books and on the internet. In it, it's instead of saying the word right, it said it can be expected this will be a century of authority, a century of the left. L is capitalized, a century of fascism. But you go out there on, on the Internet in other books, they'll say to the right or tendency. That's historical sabotage. Also, this little booklet that was like 26 pages had was has was published in a number of big journals in New York and in England in the 1930s. And I found those two and it said left. Same thing. So, um, you know, some I said, so, well, if they're going to lie about this. What else are they going to lie about?
0: So fascism and communism are basically feathers from the same bird. So to that's speak. right. That's right. I have a lot of
1: historians that say that. They they say basically it was revision of uh, fascism, a revision of Marxism. It's a variant of Marxism. The most um, quick one, the one I really like, is from a a British socialist who later on became a libertarian, and and uh, and he said that. Uh, fascism is a revision of Marxism by
0: Marxists. So, the left spectrum
1: Well, I mean, what happened then? I mean, I prefer the original spectrum where, you know, left is the, the people who believed in, in freedom and everything like that, and the right being authoritarian. But I also have, and I call that chart A. But I have a chart B that is the same chart except it's reversed, the left and right, because the the communists have basically taken over the uh, the left wing designation.
0: Yo, all right, Larry, you're hey. on. And okay, shall we <laughs> continue? Yes, we shall. The, it's, it's too bad this uh, episode temperamental. Sometimes with some people, it's just it works amazingly well and it's easy. And with other people, it gets temperamental. So we'll try to, to finish this up. And then okay. uh, if not, we'll have to try to do it sometimes when we're together okay. in the same room and just recording it. But anyway, so we went through the French Revolution. We went through the basically that the uh, trying to make a left right. Uh, perspective out of two things that are essentially the same. Communism and fascism are both a form of authoritarianism and come from the same. They're, they're, birds, they're feathers from the same bird, so to speak.
1: Right. Same, same thing. And, and, and what I could gather is the, the big change was after the, the, the Hitler-Stalin pact. You know, there were buddy buddies there. When they, yeah. when they allied and tacked Poland together and started World War II, a lot of people don't explain know that
0: explain what that is. Explain what that is to those who don't know.
1: Well, uh, it, it's a, a formal uh, treaty. I mean, you know, all of these, uh, you know, and it was partly secret. They uh, people didn't know until after after the World War II that that the deal the deal the deal was that uh, that. Um, Russia would get certain areas of Europe and Germany would get certain areas. Half of Poland went to Nazis, half and half went to the communists. That wasn't known as That part of it was secret. They knew there was a treaty and they allied together. But people don't realize how much of an, uh, a treaty it was. Um, um, uh, Germany was, was sending some of their most modern fighter planes over the Soviet Union. Soviet Union was sending over oil, And uh, uh, natural resources, tremendous amount of trade for those two years, back and forth. And uh, Nazis would go to Moscow, have big parties, drinking vodka (laughs) together. I mean, they were chummy chum
0: chums. And then, uh, pardon? So it was all the same. uh, They were basically the same organization. They have no problem. Basically,
1: uh, basically they were. And, and I do what I do call. I do call uh, German National Socialism in Italian fashion as Marxist light. Right. And, uh, you know, Hitler got his ideas from uh, Mussolini. And, and Mussolini was a Marxist for most of his life, uh, quite a bit of his life, hanging out with Lenin and Trotsky. And, uh, and as a fascist in 1915. You know, he started the fascist Revolutionary Party. He says that in his doctrine of fascism, which a lot of places, they take that out or put dot dots there. And and so he found that 1915, 1917, he supported uh, Lenin's October Revolution. And uh, and then a little bit after that, he starts saying, and I got some of his quotes on that. He started saying that, that, that Lenin has not created created a dictatorship of the proletariat. He has not created a real socialist party. They're not really Bolsheviks. They're not really true Marxists. He was set, he was scolding Lenin for not being Marxist enough. That was a few years after he supported the uh, October Revolution. And then we ran for a government position in 1919.
0: Um, Musson was going around calling... Yeah, that's so weird. I wonder why this keeps happening. I
1: think he's getting... So well- He's hitting leave recording. Ah. Huh. Okay, well, I don't know if that's happening. I'm going to try to keep my face f- uh, further away from the
0: phone. Just, here, okay. What? what?
1: Keep hitting the button on the side. What, what, what button? Keep hitting that. This? This button here. Just keep hitting this. What button? There's a button here. Well, that's the on. Keep oh. hitting it. Keep hitting it? Yep. Just hold This it. one. Whenever it goes black, hit that button.
0: Okay. Okay. That's probably. Wow. Thank you. When it go black. Yeah. So just keep hitting a button to make it so the screen doesn't go blank. And oh, then if it happens, okay. we'll have to give up, I guess.
1: Okay. But- well, that's we weird. Try- well, well how, where was I at? That was at Mussolini. Uh-
0: and the, the Nazis, the communists and the Nazis are good friends. They work together very well. And they're basically the same. Organization, but under a different name.
1: Under a different so, name, but but they are there are differences. There are differences. It takes a while history to learn what happened. Uh, um, both Mussolini and Hitler turned a little bit away from Marxism when the economy failed in 1921, um, mm-hmm. and that disturbed a lot of people because. Uh, kind of Len- what's
0: happening like in the United States in the next election. <laughs>
1: well, no, we're talking about really collapse. We're talking about almost all factories closed, all mills closed, and no workers. Most of workers wow. left left the, the cities to find food. There was no worker paradise because there were no workers. Right. It had collapsed completely because oh, they didn't work.
0: They don't, huh? Because communism doesn't work.
1: It doesn't work. And that's the problem that, that Mussolini was now facing in 1921, 1922, and Hitler. And, and the whole world, it had failed. Um, and, and, and actually, Lenin said, we're going to have to allow some free exchange, some free markets. Wow. He, said that, he said that, you know, we're going to take, we're still going to be in charge of all the big companies, all the big, you know, uh, state-owned companies. But we're going to allow people to ex- exchange on their own. You couldn't exchange anything, not a paperclip. Government had to be involved. So, you know, it, it failed. Now, other Marxists said, well, Lenin didn't just do it right. You know, anyway. So that's kind of what happened. Um, and that was a major blow to, to communists. And, um, and so a lot of people had to back off until they could find out what the hell is going on. Uh, Mussolini started talking about productionism. You said you, well, you know, you know, is nice, but it has to be able to produce things. People can't just go around. You can't just go around and
0: starve people. And so that's. No, they did starve lots of people in did. the UK. I think over a hundred thousand people. Yeah, starts, no, it, was, yeah. It,
1: it was it was bad. It was bad because you gotta think about it. If the farmer comes out of the you know his farm, takes it into the city, and then he sells it to some street vendor, well he couldn't do that. He had to give it to the government, and the government didn't know how to sell it. They didn't know what the prices should be because supposedly they did that because nobody would would make a profit, you know, and that's why had to do through the government. So you know, communism failed in 1921. It's called the new economic policy, what Lenin brought in. I actually call Lenin the first fascist. He became, uh, he had, you know, big companies owned by the government, but small companies could privatize, you know, small ones. And there was a lot of small ones. And so it was like a mixed economy. And, and a lot of people, a lot of historians call fascism an extremism of the middle. And what he's referring to that is mixed, you know, a mixed economy. So as you keep keep nationalizing more taking more stuff over, you go towards communism but you start moving away from that and starting allowing some privatization like Lenin did now
0: you're in the realm of
1: fascism
0: the, just like the term yeah. national socialism that's where yeah. we get the term national socialism and nazi is a is an abbreviation of the national socialist party of deutschland or germany basically a well, translation of that it's yeah, an it was, abbreviation for yeah, yeah. letters, Nazi. Yeah. yeah, it
1: was a labor party. A lot of journalists called Nazis uh, the national, uh, national Socialist Labor Party. Because that's what it's called, basically. National Socialist German Workers Party. You know, so uh, in But Russia started to go nationalistic. Stalin talks about socialism in one country. Stalin is considered by many historians as being a national socialist internationalism international socialism died in 1916 you know World War one you know almost all the labor and Socialist Party said we want our socialism uh, flavored with our language and our traditions and you know all that. Uh, there was almost no national socialist after 1916. The second international it was the big international socialist group, they uh, they dissolved
0: because most so, so didn't basically want that's where Stalin people. came in. And so Hitler and Stalin have the same idea of national socialism.
1: That's right. That's right. That's why uh, Joseph Goebbels, you know, the propaganda minister for for Nazi Germany and a chancellor of Nazi Germany for a day. (laughs) That's why when he became a Nazi, he wanted to to ally in the mid-20s with Stalin. He He loved Lenin. He was praising Lenin. One speech... New York Times report, on, he said Lenin is the most the greatest man in the world, second to Hitler. And Hitler and and Stalin's communism about the same thing. Finally, uh, Hitler had to meet him a year or so later and say, "Stop praising Lenin. Stop talking about this this alliance with uh, with uh, Russia." Of course, Hitler did ally with Russia eventually. But yeah, yeah, they, uh, because communism didn't work the Communists had to back away and allow some market economics in it that they had to allow people and so Mussolini saw Lenin do this and a little bit later he started you know he became uh, what the Prime minister of Italy uh, a little after that and he was preaching basically uh, a limited Marxism because of Lenin I have an article right. on. That. In a couple, of, couple of places, so, so, so fascism
0: is a limited, limited Marxism. It's limited
1: uh, uh, Marxism, Marxist light. You know, I mean, you know, Mussolini would, you know, was a uh, historians call him when he was president of the Italian socialist government. He was in the bolshevik wing of the Italian socialist government, and he would kick out social democrats. You kick out anybody. that wasn't a radical Marxist, and then. When the war came along in 1914, uh, he decided, "Wait a minute! All these other socialist and labor parties are joining their government in World War One," and 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 then he, you know, being a real up on 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 Marx, he said, "What would Marx do?" Well, Marx believed in every war that came along in his lifetime, almost oh, so every war, because it might lead to revolution, and it did in Russia. So he came out in 1914 and he said, "Hey, I think we should." Um, uh, fighting World War I uh, you know, on, the, on the English and French side. And for some reason, people say, oh, you're not a socialist anymore. No, you, you, there's quotes out of him saying, you can't take away my socialism. You can kick me out of Italian socialist party, but you can't kick me out of my socialism. Huh. And, uh, but most, most historians now, these semi-historians, put to say that, that Mussolini stopped being a Marxist By 1914. No, he was following Marx to the letter. He knew Marx inside and out.
0: So, when Hitler's writings and his speeches are basically taken from Joseph Stalin and from Marx?
1: No, I wouldn't say that's so much. The only time he was really kind of a Marxist, and it was in 1919 for about a month when he when from his barracks he got elected to to his um, to his barracks to rep, to to uh, work with the German Communist Party, the German Communist Party took over Bavaria, Bavaria, and uh, the first thing he did is put his hat in a ring and, and won. He was going every day almost to to the uh, the German Communists, you know, you know, because he was represented from his barracks. He was working in the propaganda department. It was only for about a month. And then, and, you know, he never resigned or anything. And then the German army comes in, the German Republic army, what, 30, 40,000 men, they were street out, a lot of people died. And he was arrested and interned, along with most people from his barracks, because they apparently supported the, you know, the, the revolution by the communist. And the only reason uh, Hitler wasn't shot or kicked out was because he had made many friends in the military when he was a runner. And they said to him, if you become an informant, hey, you know, we won't kill you uh-huh. <laughs> won't home. And so, well, who wouldn't jump at that deal? So he did. And he started talking. oh, yeah, Joe over, there, Joe over there, Joe over there. He was a communist and he was a communist and they shot a lot of people. And so after that, he, he kind of went in with the Social Democrats. He's, you know, he, he was favorable to the Social Democratic Party of, of Germany. He was before the communists came along earlier. Then he went communist sort of, and he went back to the Social Democrats. And if he had stayed with them, there probably would not have been World War Two.
0: But, but what happened? This,
1: he found this little left wing uh, German party called the German Worker Party, and he took it over.
0: And that became the National Socialist Party of Germany. Yes.
1: That's right. It's called National Socialist uh, German Workers Party. So he brought in National Socialism connected to Workers Party because they consider himself a labor party. They had big demonstrations on, on May on May first in in Germany.
0: Just big like the communists party. do. Now. Pardon? Just like the communists do now. Yeah, the same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Mussolini was in labor. He led strikes. He got put in jail for being too violent. Uh, both of them, they're all labor parties. They're all, always trying to get the workers to come in. So, you know, there's no difference there. Lenin, when he became uh, uh, took over uh, Russia, he, he uh, outlawed all labor unions, except for the government one. He outlawed all strikes, all walkouts. Hitler did the same thing. Mussolini did the same thing. There could only be one union, and that was the government union.
0: So they're really the only differences between communists and fascists is not philosophical. It's just systematic.
1: Competitors, let's put it that way, because there's a lot of cases where the Nazis and the communists in Germany work together. There is a famous 1932 bus strike. The communists and the Nazis Went out there and pushed you know, broke the windows of buses, supposedly ripped up rail lines, if they didn't participate in the in the strike, the bus strike. And they worked together. You
0: but know? then there were a lot of and times. they go when the, next to the swatika. And then the and, fascists uh, and the communists were also fighting from time to time. Pardon? And in Germany the fascists were fighting from time to time.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, because they're competitors. Communists are always killing communists. You know, like the battle between Trotsky and Lenin. Pardon? Right. Yes, Trotsky and
0: uh, Stalin. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because they were so similar, and, you know, power was so important, their leadership. I mean, look at all the battles between uh, the Soviet Union and Red China. Big battles out in Mongolia. They won't they don't give you the figures on it, but Red China and invaded uh, uh, communist Vietnam in the 70s and, th- and 30 or 40,000 people died. Each side gives
0: a different <laughs> amount, a different and, number. And, uh, and, uh, huh? Each side gives a different number.
1: Who, who, yeah, right. You know, China said, we killed 30,000 uh, Vietnamese. And, you know, and then Vietnamese said, well, we killed 40,000 red Chinese. And, you know, and uh, in my book, I put it in there. But knowing that it could be much higher or much lower. I mean, they always lie. Kind of,
0: kind of like the war in Ukraine now. There's really no way to know what's going on. It's, it's really
1: hard. All you can do as a historian is put in the figures that both sides give you know, or something else comes in it. No, it's 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 very hard, and uh, and you know, and the figures for when uh, communist Vietnam invaded communist uh, Cambodia. I mean, those numbers are still, you know, you 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 just don't know. And there was African communist countries attacking each other. Communist uh, Samoa uh, uh, attacked Ethiopia, and uh, took over the country. Russia got really upset because they were giving <laughs> tanks and weapons to both sides. They're, they're, it's always, you know, again, you know, it's uh, they're always tagging each other. They're killing each other. I mean, I mean, Stalin ordered the killing of Trotsky. with the ice pick in, in, in Spain and uh, in the Spanish Civil War. Some of the biggest battles were between the Stalinists and the Trotsky's. <laughs> That's Trotsky, where
0: Orwell was. Which are two different forms of communism. Two competing
1: forms of communism. Yeah, yeah, they're doing it all the time. So when people say, "Oh, Hitler couldn't be a communist because he attacked Stalin," no, no, that's what communists do. You know, if you, you, also- you know tribalism, tribalism. If you're just a little bit different to the other uh, other guy down the street, you know, he could be a communist, but if it's a slightly different communism, they'll kill you.
0: And then all need for both fascism slash communism and regular communism. You need to have a scapegoat, someone that becomes well, the villain in the narrative, in order to for you to be able to seize power. With Hitler, yeah. it was the Jews. With, uh-huh. uh, with the communists, it's the it's the rich.
1: It's the rich, and
0: uh, and they talk about exterminating the rich
1: uh and uh yeah yeah it's just uh some some scapegoat uh, group uh doesn't matter and they always call their uh um uh foes nazis or fascist when they're the ones that are just as fascist yeah <laughs> i mean ukraine i mean come on putin calls the leader of ukraine who's a jew his father father uh, grandfather died and in, in holocaust call him a nazi they're always doing it because The Russian people don't know there was a Stalin, uh, uh, a Hitler Stalin pact. They they don't put it in their history books. It doesn't exist.
0: The winners always write the history. And in Russia, the Russian government is, of course, the winner there. So, yeah. yeah, So, so this is just a convenient. Uh, the idea that uh, Hitler was on the right and Stalin communism is on the left is just kind of a convenient uh, propaganda tool, I think, now. Because when you
1: read history and you get all these journalists that weren't in Germany at the time or around it at the time, they all say that the communists and the fascists are the same. You know, dur- during, uh, be, be, you know, all that thir- 30 time period, you know, Peter Drucker. I mean, you know, you, you name it. Almost everybody. Uh, so
0: uh, Churchill in the, said so you include so, those uh, articles.
1: Yeah, they're in my book. Uh, Churchill was very good at that. He, you know, he said, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, fascism came out of communism. And then and then, you know, I mean, you know, in fact, but see, what happened after, after the, um, the breakup of, of the Nazis and the communists, Stalin spent billions as a propaganda pro- program to say that, that fascism is on one polar opposite side and communism communists on the other. He, he created this propaganda going out to the world. In fact, you couldn't even use the word national socialist. He forbid it. Stalin did. Well, Be- because he didn't mm-hmm. want the word socialism. He wanted to use either you had to use Nazi or fascist. You couldn't use National Socialist. That's why most people to this day often don't know Nazi means National Socialism. Big right. propaganda. And and here's a good uh, uh, story. Um, when Demo- uh,
0: democratic socialism, in other words. Pardon? Then we hear the word now democratic. Socialism? We well, actually refer to, to just hear.
1: Yeah, that's very close to fascism. But um, when uh, in 19, after the war, and um not not, uh, I don't know, 46 or something, 47, um, Churchill's son went to Churchill and said, you know what they're saying now? They're saying that fascism, communism are polar opposites. And Churchill got really mad. He says, polar opposite? No, polar the same. <laughs> that's in my book. That was a great quote. But, uh, but no, uh, most of the time, uh, everyone knew that pretty well the same.
0: And then the intellectual left here in yes, America yes. for a long right. time has yes. always kind of done the bidding or followed the lead of the uh, communist the intelligentsia yeah. in Russia.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much, very much. And, uh, you know, uh, they always get in academic positions and they're the other ones who write the books. After World War II, a lot of historians didn't want to touch the issue of fascism or, or Nazism, um, the more honest ones, because it was just so, so dreadful. And only the right. uh, socialist historians now had it. Plus, for example, uh, uh, in, um, with Mussolini, uh, one German historian said, I tried to get stuff. About Mussolini from from Italy, you know, from the government, because he has a lot of writings. You know what? One is like forty-six volumes of his collected works. He did a lot really? of writing. No, has not been translated in English, but uh, they wouldn't give it to him, and uh, and so in, it wasn't until practically this century before some of the stuff started coming out that he was a Marxist. I mean, I mean, you know, he says Bruce he's a
0: communist. Was a Marxist, a communist.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean there's there's if you get on Wikipedia, I mean Wiki WikiLings, Mussolini Wikilings, you can see a lot of these things. So was sourced and everything. He calls himself a communist. You know, and uh, but nobody knew that after the war for decades and decades after the war.
0: Because and it the, takes the, WikiLinks to put this out because it doesn't fit the current narrative of, of history. Well, I mean, yeah,
1: any yeah, a lot of sources have come out, not just there, but uh, but Wiki, uh, Wiki uh, Quotes is a good place to find some of Mussolini's more choice. <laughs> right. Quote, you know, where he calls himself a, a, a leftist and, and calls himself a communist. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I mean, look at Goebbels. Goebbels, um, you know, just recently they, they found a quote from him, from one of his works uh, from 33 and Goebbels Joseph Goebbels, again, the only other person that was chancellor of Nazi Germany, he said in, 30, in 31 that the Nazi party is the German left and that what we hate most is the right-wing property block, property-owning block, something like that. And uh, that's on uh, Joseph Goebbels' uh, wiki, wiki, uh, wiki quotes. He's just putting Goebbels and wiki quotes and they'll come up. But uh, but yeah yeah, uh, Goebbels considered himself a communist when he was young in college, and uh, he uh, he believed in class struggle.
0: So he the says, fascinating uh, way to, way to up, a remarketing, so to speak, of oh, yeah. communism, and Marxism. Yeah, it was a yeah. remarketing. Let's dress it up. Let's give it a shiny. Let's shine up the boots of uh, of communism. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, make it uh, hopefully more marketable, more palatable. And, uh, you know, and, and now the Nazism is, of course, the ultimate evil because everyone knows about the 6 million Jews That's that right. were killed. But not too many people know that in Russia, they killed over 80 million people in the concentration camps there that were called the gulags. The gulags, amount of their population every year was uh, basically sent to the concentration death in order to keep the engine of communism going. There was... Yeah. So anyone well, who who was a criminal, uh, anyone of a philosophical uh, uh, opposite to the gulag, so this is 80 million people in Russia were killed yeah. in concentration camps. Well, the, just- the
1: Jewish the Jewish thing is very interesting because there's a uh, there's a speech by Hitler that I could never find translated, 1920, called "Why Are We Anti Semites?" And uh, in that he says that you know that you know the Nazis are socialists, and he says if you're a socialist, how can you not be an anti Semite? And from that, I held, created a whole whole section about the people who really hated jews and it was the socialist from the early you know early utopian uh uh, jews to marx to to you know uh the, the 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 socialists always hated the jews because they deal with loans and making money off of loans and that they're kind of a mer- merchant type of, of, of society into trading and business and that and so free, just, free, ta- free, yeah, free yeah more markets markets so free or semi free but they' you know they you know and uh, and almost every one of these socialists have talks talk, talks about burning the Jews or or you know you know they're, they're horrible people and you know on and on and on. I got these quotes you know they're all sourced in there and a lot of Jewish books actually talk about that, how the, the, the people who were the worst anti-Semites are the socialists. Marx had horrible things to say about the Jews, and uh, and quite a few of them. Yeah. So it wasn't anything unusual for, for a socialist to kill the Jews.
0: And then the scapegoating, it's, it's there because of the, uh, the capitalism, so Jewish people embracing... Uh, capital. Yes, markets.
1: Markets yeah. making money. Markets. Money is bad. Capital is bad. And that's that's why they hated them. Uh that's why Russia turned against Israel.
0: We hear the we hear the same the echoes of this uh throughout Market. history of uh uh you know the greedy rich the uh oh, yeah yeah the
1: yeah
0: we're yeah. hearing it now with uh uh, Biden saying that it's the it's it's policies, but the evil uh, who are raising the prices of gas because they're evil and they're greedy as if they just discovered greed now suddenly suddenly now the president suddenly the oil discovered greed as if it wasn't around before and. Yeah. Suddenly, now, they, they're discovering it. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. the, the, the problem is with that is, of course, if you're running a gas station and the guy across from you has a, you know, I do it every day when I put gas in my car. I'm looking at who has the cheapest gas, you know, mm-hmm. who, who has cents, 50 cents, uh, yeah. less all the time. Like when I have to drive to L.A., I uh, fill up here in Nevada as much as I can because gas is cheaper here. And then when I, I, I hopefully have enough to leave L.A., fill in my tank, and then I uh, uh, try to get into a place that's just outside of L.A. where things are a little bit cheaper, but not yet the middle the middle of the road in between vegas and and because and we have the really exploitive prices where this is the only gas station around and so you want to avoid gas there but it's just like it, it's such a and then also now we're being told that uh one of the inflation oh look at europe it's not my fault it's not the policy of the of the biden administration that's causing the inflation, because Europe is also suffering from inflation. But what most people do not know, and what they're able to take advantage of, is the European economy follows the yep. the U.S. If there's if the U.S. economy goes down, it drags the European and the world economy down with it. Also, if there's inflation, and in, it causes inflation throughout the rest of the world, so. Yeah. It's yeah. very but, easy to say I mean, because people do not have any kind of economic education, you know, probably mm-hmm. because they're used to know someone like you who can fill them in about this uh, and uh, give the books that they've read about uh, the history of this, of, of economics and, the, and what government has done to try to control it, which is fascism and communism, which yeah. are the same kind of thing.
1: Yeah, well, that's what the Nazis did to the uh, to the businesses there. They basically took them over and forced loans on them. They did horrible. They really hated the business people. Uh, in fact, when the Nazis got in in thirty three, they talked about ter- uh, closing down the stock exchange. But they they took that got rid of most of them. You know, they had regional stock exchanges like we did, but um, the, you know they said certain. You know, there was price controls. There was You know, I mean, rent control, There was all sorts of controls. In fact, um, because of the controls on prices, because they're so fearful of inflation, uh, farmers couldn't afford to grow food. And so they started to subsidize them, heavily subsidize them. And there still wasn't enough food. They were starving near the end of the 30s, Germany, because they didn't have the food. This is probably one reason why Hitler started the war sooner than when the generals wanted to. And what's really funny about this is my father-in-law used to work in Venezuela in the thirties. And he had a a person who came there from Germany. He said, why are you coming over here? You know, you know, I mean, you know, you know, 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 basically a third world nation. And he said to him, we were starving. I tried to use chemicals to make food, but I couldn't. My father-in-law was a, a chemist and he was at a, an oil uh, oil oil camp, but they were starving. There's there's you know a lot of lot of evidence of that, because socialism was not working in Nazi Germany.
0: Yeah, you know the am seeing parallels of that now is the calls for prim- on everything, and that is yeah. just a disaster. That completely will destroy the supply chain, worse than it's already been destroyed, and. You know, I was I was talking about that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm very suspicious whenever the uh, the cure for something is communism. You know, we have global warming, and the cure for it is they're telling us is communism. We had the the pandemic, we had COVID. The cure for that was, of course, communism. And every time uh, in inflation, now they're telling us the cure for that is price control, of course. Communism—it's—it's just—it it makes me very suspicious when I, whenever I see a crisis and the government starts pushing communism as the uh, as the cure for it, and when it always is the cure, some form of some well, form I of control, some form of uh, yeah. government control businesses. Well,
1: I don't try to use that term. I, I usually use say fascist, Marxist uh, ideologies right. and things like that because they're so close. You have to combine fascism with communism to show them how bad communism is. And, uh, and I do that all the time. You know, fascist Marxist is fascist Marxist that, you know, I mean, there is not much of a difference. It's just, again, communist light. And uh, and it was moving towards communism. In fact, you, you know, I don't know if you know who Albert Speer is.
0: A little bit
1: architect architect for Hitler and later in charge of war production. And, right uh, he, he said in his memoirs he said near getting near the end of the war the government was nationalizing so many country companies and creating so many government companies he said you know we're heading towards state socialism right well and it uh, was thats that
0: be- the inevitable. Yeah. That's the end game always.
1: That's the that's the end game. It's just that's the way government goes. Uh, Hitler, many has said he wanted to nationalize everything in 1920. You know, his 1920 his uh, 25 point program. He talked about nationalizing all trust, what he meant as companies, co- companies that were incorporated, which would have been most quite a bit of the economy. But he backed off. And, you know, they said, oh, well, he was moving away from, you know, all this radical socialist stuff. No, he wasn't. He knew about what happened in, in Lenin, uh, Lenin's economy. The mills closed down, the factories closed down. He's thinking about, oh, I want to get even with Britain, the United States, and France for World War One for humiliating us. So he knows that he can't build tanks and and planes if he has no factories. So I mean, many times he he got so mad at the at the at the capitalists that he. He would tell Albert Spears, Spear, I guess, that I'm going to nationalize everything. You know, screw the, you know, they're just shitheads. I think he used the word, he called capitalist shits. And uh, he wanted to do it, but he he realized what happened to Lenin. If you go too far, you won't have any factories. You won't have any war equipment.
0: Well, well you know, that's what's, uh, so one of the things that makes China so dangerous now what has happened in China is they've realized that communism, in an economic sense, to not allow the, the freedom for people to make choices and markets, and not allow markets, uh, basically will destroy your economy completely. So what they've done is they've freed that, but they've amped up all of their social controls everything. And now you even have an app where all your money is spent through an app on your phone, so they can track each cent you have. They have uh, uh, police. You have a social credit score where, uh, where people who have a low social credit score aren't allowed to go on planes, aren't allowed to go on trains, aren't allowed to have driver's licenses. It creates a second-class citizen of, you know, bad communists, people that don't, who are violating in some way, and also, it's very mixed with nationalism there, is that people that are seen as attacking traditional Chinese culture are also given a low credit score as well. Yeah. Uh, it's very, uh, it's an acknowledgement of the, the idea of communism. It's a changing of communism from entirely uh, controlling markets to basically more letting the markets run free for better economic prosperity, and keeping, amping up social controls on people, and it's very, very frightening.
1: Well, this is interesting, reading Marx. you got to go back to Marx. Everything goes back to Marx. Uh, the reason that, uh, another reason why Mussolini backed away uh, from um, pure Marxism, uh, not just because it was failing in Russia, but because Marx said something very interesting about having a mature industry. Mark said, and historians don't like this, but Mark said it. He said, to get out of grinding poverty from feudalism, you need industrial capitalists. They will build the facilities. They will create a mature industry. And when that happens, we kick them out and we'll have the workers' paradise.
0: Yeah, And that's what China
1: China realized, uh, is that they were going nowhere with Mao. And so they're saying, hey, wait, Mark said... Let the industrial capitalists come in, build it up, and then kick them out. Once you get the full, uh, full—that's what Marx says—full uh, maturity of of an industry, of the industry, and uh, and and and, Mar- and Mussolini knew that, so that's why he backed away a little bit from from Marx uh, after he took control of Italy. But later on, he started moving towards uh, Marxism again.
0: My nineteen, uh, yeah, Heinrich yeah. calls these people the looters when you, the, and the problem is with this premise of course is that once you you, you take over the capitalists, the prospect that the capitalists uh, brought is that philosophically the freedom economically is no longer there and when you're done looting uh, the wealth created by capitalism, you're left with everyone being poor.
1: Yes, yes, that's what's happening in Venezuela.
0: They're yeah. uh,
1: they, they're, uh, see, the thing is, Mark didn't realize that, you know, you're going to spend money and have uh, expertise to keep your machines working. He didn't realize that. You know, he was not then, a, he was not, not very smart.
0: And then also there's a a government that just collapsed in uh, South America and the island off of the coast. What was that place called?
1: Well, there's one uh, off of
0: India, Sir, Sir, uh, Sri Lanka. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, off of Sri Lanka, off of Sri Lanka, It's kind of like Japan, and they've pretty much done the same thing there. Same and thing. They it's caused they the, the entire part question part. the economy <laughs> and the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They also
1: tried going green. They started starving when they were uh, told they had to use non-petrol uh, fertilizer and right. organic. Couldn't produce enough of it, and and lot's happening?
0: The solution to global warming is, of course, communism. You know so that's why I'm like, okay, I can agree that global warming may cause some problems, and we may need to look out for it. But why is the solution communism? You know, it's just uh, it, it's just uh, it's so daunting. You know, I think the the market will be do so much more to stop global warming than the, you know, we don't need to force electric cars on people if they are better eventually yeah, and they put less. Eventually they'll get better and become more efficient than gas cars and cheaper than gas cars. And people will yes. them because, you know, there'll be a necessity to do so. So it'll be better for them. I mean, the, the market has the solutions Rather than these people who don't know how to run anything deciding to run everything and basically they have communism. We have people that are philosophically trying the world conform through the power of the government with their philosophical ends rather than allowing freedom and making choices based on mutual benefit. Uh, for people like in a free market being the uh, uh, imputus to lead you philosophically, you know, yeah, yeah. which is where we come to your book, chaos, but yes, we'll discuss yes. that in the future. <laughs> yeah. 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 So how would you, how would you sum this up? I think we're coming to the end here. How would you sum this up? The, uh, uh, the thesis that you put forward in, in Killing History. Not that I'm not going to encourage people to read it. And you can find this, of course, on Amazon.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Okay. And.
1: Exactly. Uh, well, I guess the, the ending of it is basically know your history. Remember, they uh, the other side always uses propaganda and they, they change the truth because it wants to fit their narrative, knowing that they always do it. Because the truth is not important. That's another topic about the crisis of Marxism in nineteen in nineteen uh, in eighteen nineties. What happened to them? They learned they had to be dishonest. That they had to do myth making because Marxism had failed, in, in at that time period. But uh, but no, um, you 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 got to do your studying. Find some good books. There's a lot of good history books on it. Um, but just. Never believe what the government says. Basically,
0: yeah, you have to you have to look at reality. Like I was saying before, what has given us the most prosperity, and what has given the most people the most prosperity, and that is as free uh, as amount of, uh, of a mar- as free as a market as you can have that has given us the, the largest increase in people living better, better standard of living for everyone. And that's I right. think, and then there's the ideologues who are rather than having reality and the facts guide them are trying to make reality conform to uh, their ideology. And that's where you get, I think the modern left where you get fascism and where you get communism.
1: That's At least right.
0: that's that's my opinion. How I see it.
1: Yeah, and and Orwell had already experienced this in uh, Spain in the nineteen thirties. He said that uh, if you want to uh, control the future, you got to control the past, meaning
0: you yeah. gotta,
1: you have to rewrite the past, and that's what rewrite the it. yeah rewrite it. That's what the Stalinists were doing in the in the Spanish Civil War. And and Orwell's in the middle of it. I mean, he was almost killed by Stalin. The Stalinist went there and just slaughtered the uh, Trotskyites and called him Nazis. I mean, calling Len, like, calling Trotsky. I mean, he was in charge of the Red Army. He's the reason why the Russian Revolution won. And, and yeah, he saw so
0: all this. Can't get much more communist than the Trotskyites.
1: No, no, they were yeah, that's right. They're lying. They're trying to change history. He saw it there. He saw the battles in the streets, not between him and Franco, between Trotsky. What? And, uh, and, Stalinist.
0: So that's the title of your book, killing history. You're killing
1: so history.
0: You're trying to prevent the killing of history. With your book. Yeah, that's right. That's so anyway. So this is, this has been a wonderful discussion. And then of course, I encourage everyone to read your book, killing history. You have another book called chaos, and this is going to be found on there. And then there's the libertarian primer, which could also can find on Amazon. And that has a essay in it by you, yours truly, Mark Selzer. war yes, and I
1: remember that. That was a good one. <laughs>
0: and, then, and then I also encourage you, as you were talking about Orwell, uh, absolutely read George Orwell. Just absolutely, those books are uh, just amazing. That man was an incredible genius. And then, of course, Ayn Rand, of course, uh Atlas Shrugged is also a very wonderful, wonderful book. And Anthem. Anthem is my personal favorite by, oh, by okay. uh, Shorter. A little bit shorter. <laughs> yes, yeah, a little bit shorter. It's, it's hard to get people to read that huge book. They look at it and, oh, my God. you know. But when you're done with it, you think it's too short. But the yeah, uh, yeah. Anthem. And then Thomas Sowell also, I think, is also another wonderful author. And he's very accessible now through YouTube. I would like to get you to uh, read a copy of your book onto YouTube just so you have a YouTube channel and just sit down. Why,
1: YouTube every channel, week. I, I just don't use it very often. Well while, while I'm having a second edition done of, of uh, killing history, adding a few things to it, cleaning up a little mm-hmm. bit. I to do that and try to find someone to, to, um, to uh, read it. So I can do an auto read. I mean, I mean, uh, what are they call the books the-
0: An audio book. See, that's more. Yeah. That's easier for people. So well, I, hopefully, I, I, you'll have that soon. Yeah.
1: So I'm looking can, for
0: one. You could also download free, so people can just listen to it for free on uh, YouTube, and it's it's really wonderful. You know, on YouTube, all the books on tapes, people have just taken their, all their old books on tape and put them up on YouTube. You can find any book. You can read La Miserel. You can read all of these wonderful things, and you can have a wonderful actor reading the book to you and doing all the voices and pronouncing everything correctly because yes. you never know how to pronounce all those the, the places.
1: the Italian names. Yeah, yeah, yes, it's, yeah. it's uh, got to find someone from uh, England to do it.
0: <laughs> it could be, it could be very wonderful. But anyway, thank you so much. I hope we're going to be able to get this, uh, the various, uh, at, uh, the these recordings cobbled together that we did. And uh, thank you very much, Lawrence. And I'll see you again soon. And people can find you. Still, they can find you on Twitter? Uh,
1: No. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, but I don't do much on it. The best place is killinghistory.net. That has a lot of my memes. I've made like 200 memes, my social director did. Very good ones from saints to uh, not saints, you know, some of the things that Mark said and and other things and uh, some of my articles in American Thinker and Lou Rockwell.com and you know various other places. So yeah, yeah. Just Killinghistory.com. Uh, all one word, killinghistory.net.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Lawrence. And uh, I'll talk to you very soon. We'll do another one about your book, Chaos, after i have done okay. reading more of it. <laughs> okay. I'll see you. Okay. Then. Bye okay. bye, Lawrence. Yeah.